Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to uh, Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. As we continue on the study that we're doing through the New Testament, I'm looking at my notes here, and this is 182. This is the 182nd study on the New Testament. Um, so that's pretty good. Uh, we've stuck with it for quite a while, over three years, and uh, we're, we're pressing in to uh, uh, completing it, uh, hopefully over the next year and a half or so, somewhere in there. Um, We've, we've spent a lot of time working through the New Testament. Um, we, we started with the Gospels. Most of you know that. We did Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Actually, we did Matthew, Mark, John, and then Luke. We did Luke out of the order so that we could do Luke and Acts together because they were written by the same guy. And uh, Luke wrote them both. And uh, that gave us a good uh, concept of the ministry of Jesus and uh, the things that he did. And, and, uh, and then we moved into the new church, the early church, and what was the new church was all about. And then from there, we started working through Paul's letters because when we worked through the book of Acts, we talked about Paul's missionary journeys and uh, out of his journeys came these, uh, the, the, you know, these new church plants and what they meant and all the questions they had and what was going on and Paul's writing back to all these churches that he helped start, most of them he helped start or uh, other new churches in the area because every church was a new church back then and uh, he's answering the questions and the same questions that pretty much existed a couple of thousand years ago exists now but knowing how they fit in context helps us to um, sort of relate to the scriptures a little better the the scriptures were written at that time for those things um, but under the leading of the holy spirit they still apply today uh, and and we just as long as we keep them in context and so so studying them in context is a big help and that's what we've been doing through this study now in ephesians uh Paul has um, been instructing the church uh, on what this life in Christ looks like. And uh, he, he started with a very sort of theological uh, thing in the first three chapters. These last three chapters, um, he's making it very practical. And in effect, he's talking about living together as, uh, as the church, as a body, as a family, um, as a temple. And... Uh, it means that uh, this this type of life, as we've already talked about, uh, especially in the last chapter, um, chapter four, it means that each person uh, ministers to the other members using the gifts that uh, God has given them um, and that they're to be developed and equipped by um, uh, leaders in the church to help them fulfill their calling and mission uh, in the process and that living as members of the family means you know coming to know each other and care for each other deeply um, expressing that care in openness compassion forgiveness and an involvement in each other's lives one of the reasons we spend so much time here trying to uh, um, foster that idea of, of fellowship over meals is to give you opportunities to meet people and to talk to people and and uh, to um, sort of begin to develop those relationships. And so, you know, when you're here, always uh, always look for new people coming in, if you can, and try and include them um, in, in the midst and meet some new people. And uh, it's very easy, I think, for us to um, get used to and comfortable with the same people all the time. And I, I get that totally. But um, as part of this whole idea, we always need to be looking to uh, um, find ways to meet and to encourage and to um, learn about other people so that we can care for them and 
and we can find out things they're going through so we know how to pray for them. All of this is part of the life that we've been called to and the importance of it. You know, we, we're not just supposed to be sort of, you know, ships passing in the night, so to speak. We're, we're to really begin to develop some, you know, deeper relationships. And uh, I read somewhere once that in a church, um, you, can, you can kind of get to know fairly well, uh, or reasonably well, about 60 people. And that's kind of the norm. If you're in a church of 60, you know everybody. If you're in a church that's more than 60, you still know 60. So if you go to a church like ours, you know, with 800 or 1,000 people, you, you probably know about 60 that you can sort of... And, and uh, if you're in a church of 10,000, it still gets down to that 60. So you, you want to develop relationships, um, you know, with some depth to them over time. But, you know, and you're obviously not going to have a huge deep relationship with 60 people because it's too much work. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, hopefully, you know, with, with those 60, you know more than their names, you know a little bit about them. And then in, in the smaller groups around you, you start to know people deeper and deeper and deeper. Where, and my hope is always that everybody has, you know, uh, one or two um, people in your life that you're very open and transparent with that you feel are safe they're doing a big thing I'd save people on Tuesday nights um, and that that you know know you really know you um, beyond the you know the the mass that everybody else knows and and, uh, and you know I would encourage you this is just shooting down a trail here but um, if you don't have one or two people in your life like that, make that one of your top prayer concerns that, that, that God would put in your life at least one or two people who really know you, uh, that you can be open and honest with, that you can't shock by you know, the deep, dark parts of your life and uh, who don't judge you and who really aren't gossips. That's a big one. And, uh, um, and that you have those in your life. And if you don't, um, uh, ask God to help you with that. And then, you know... Um, I always tell people, in order to have some of those people in your life, you need to be that for, for somebody. So um, be looking at that. But that's part of what should be happening in the body of Christ, um, you know, loving each other in that way. Uh, and um, it means that uh, as we come together, we help and encourage each other to do the next right thing, rejecting, you know, the, the, the dark things in the world and um, and building up our commitment to doing the right things to goodness to righteousness and to truth and all of that's learned in the context of the community of the church that's what Paul was telling them you're going to learn all this in this context of the church and and we still do learn all these things in that context and and so um to know the the living presence of Jesus, we're we're called to experience the fellowship of of church. It's it's in the church um, that 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 God established two thousand years ago um, that we begin to find this life that we're called to, and so that's why it's so important. It's it's uh, it's a it's a deeply important part of what we do and, and how we gather and we're called to it and it's not always easy and then in the church there's conflicts and there's things that we might disagree over sometimes but we're called to press in together on the basis of love and and with the leading of the spirit to help each other to grow and to learn and to and to press on also in ephesians 5 um the, paul spends the last third of it talking about submission and um 
submit, when people hear that word, uh, it, uh, it has a bad, um, often a bad immediate reaction uh, in our culture um, because it, it, for what people begin to, what they think about that word is it means that one person is in control of another. But Paul says, you know, in the church, it's, it's not um, what it's like at all. And he begins, he'll actually begin this whole discussion with submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And um, the, the idea is that, that we're to maintain a, a humility that considers others, whatever their place in life is, as better um, than ourselves. We're, in Philippians, we were told not to, to look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others. So um, when we maintain an attitude of loving concern for other people, it sort of strips um, that, that false concept of, of authority, of its rights, and it also strips at the same time um, the, the false idea of submission, of its humiliation in the process. And, and that whatever role um, we, we've been given in life uh, is just a unique opportunity to serve others. So, see, that's, uh, unfortunately, we, we, we've taken our roles and we've given, um, um, culturally, we believe that's where value comes from. And that, the, that your role is what provides your value, and it's not. You, you all have equal value in the Lord. Um, if everybody, if we really got that, if we understood that we're all equally important in the Lord, then the the roles wouldn't be the issue, um, and then then it would just be easy for us to kind of fall into the places where God's created us, because each is just an opportunity to serve. Um, but but because we've got that backwards, and we're so caught up in our culture about roles and position, and you know um, that that it becomes a struggle. And remember, uh, it's not new. I mean, Jesus uh, was dealing with that with his disciples the whole time. Those guys were always fighting about who was in that top spot, and he kept telling them, "You don't get it. This isn't the issue. It's the servant among you that's in the top spot. It's here's a child. It's this. This is the." So you, you know, he was trying to break them of that, that worldly dynamic and cultural thing that still has a hold of us, which keeps us from sometimes engaging in and entering into the very life that we've been called to. Like, uh, you know, the, 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 um, w- there's some things, in, and sometimes we get this concept that it's beneath us somehow. And whenever you get there, you're in big trouble because it's, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not how it works. You know, so so we have to be very careful in the church. I've all the all the guys that you see in leadership here demonstrated their willingness to lead at some point by cleaning toilets here, including me, uh, and still do regularly. Because um, it's uh, part of me thinks if someone won't clean toilets, then they really shouldn't do anything else. <laughs> How about that? As sort of a, a baseline, if you're not willing to clean a toilet. If it's dirty, I mean, you, do you get that? At some level, do you get that all of us can clean the toilet? Um, one of my favorite stories, I love this story. This, um, I won't tell you who it was. She's moved away. And she, sweet, wonderful woman. Um, and she, um, when she first started coming, uh, you know, she, and she's had some calling on her life and done some studying and stuff. And uh, she, you know, she said, what, you know, what can I do? And I said, well, we always need help cleaning up the place. And she didn't, she didn't look real happy, but she said, okay. And uh, she was coming and, and she, she was cleaning, <laughs> cleaning the bathrooms and she, she had her hair back and gloves on. And she came out and she said, you know, she said, I actually hire someone this to do this at my house. I don't do this in my own house. Can I just send her over here? <laughs> And I went, no, 
<laughs> Absolutely not. And she went, yeah, that's what I figured you were going to say. And she went back and cleaned the restrooms. <laughs> but it's that willingness. See, you get sometimes where in our, we get stuck in this thing that, that says, you know, well, I, that, you know, somebody else ought to do that. If there's a need and you're able, you ought to do it. It doesn't, Jesus did, right? You know, Jesus moved off the table in the book of John and started to wash his, his disciples' feet. They were so shocked because that was the lowest job there was. That was the, that was the, 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 the servants in the household who washed the, the other people's feet when they came in. That was, a, that was a, the crummiest, that was like the lowest of the servants did that. That was like the job you didn't want. Well, think about it. I mean, you know, um, feet for one thing. But imagine feet a couple thousand years ago without the benefit of all the neat stuff that we have now, like, you know, shoes and, uh, and, and roads that aren't all dusty and everything. So, so it was an issue, feet. And, and uh, it, it wasn't that great of a job. And, and there's Jesus sitting around the table with his guys, and it was time, uh, when the time came, the, the, the place, the, the, the foot washing needed to happen, it was going to happen anyway, it was that point in the sort of the thing that they were doing, and the, and the, the water, and the, and the bucket, and whatever would have been there, and the towel, and here's Jesus, the, the creator of the universe, the word of God, sitting at the table, with his guys around him, and they all know what's supposed to come, and none of them will get up and move towards the towel because they want somebody else there to do it that, that they're waiting it's a they're trying you get it say well, who's going to jump in there and do that because certainly I'm not going to do it because these guys are and who gets up and does it Jesus that's the powerful reaction oh not you Lord and Peter's reaction was not you Lord anybody but you have John do it I was waiting for John to do it <laughs> I was trying to prove a point not you and Jesus look if I if I can't then you have no part of me he, 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 was, he was totally ripping away this mess that we allowed to um, sort of mess up the way that we're supposed to live in the Lord. Anyway, none of that was in the notes. Um, <laughs> that preamble was 10 times longer than it should have been. Let's go into the scripture. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 33. I'll be reading out of the NIV. There's Bibles in the rows. You can grab if you want, or if you have your own Bible, whatever translation will work. Or we passed out some handouts. I think it'll be there as well. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. That is, uh, this is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present herself to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we're members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And blessed be the word of the Lord. We'll pop back into those last few verses in a moment um, because they always raise issues. Um, but, but I do want to talk to him. But let's, uh, let's um, uh, look first. Uh, take that first big chunk of scripture from verse 1 to 17 and sort of condense it to this, that um, we're to live as God's holy people. Um, holiness is best displayed not by an outward adherence to rules and regulations, but by loving well. So all this stuff always comes back to that. By loving God, loving others, and loving yourself. And it's about realizing that this life is not all about me. It's not all about my wants. It's not all about my, my rights, my presumed rights, and, and, and you know my, my rights. It's not all about my demands, uh, whatever else you might want to put in there. Life is not all about your whatevers. Um, it's, it's bigger than that. It's, it's, there's more to it than that. And in fact, if you're stuck in that, that spot where life is all about you, you'll never experience the life that you're called to. But Jesus, fortunately, models for us what a holy life looks like. Um, it was not a life of isolation. Sometimes we have that concept that, that really holy people you know, withdraw themselves from everyone else, and that's how they're able to maintain it. But that's not what Jesus demonstrated by a long shot. And Jesus was the model of holiness. This is God in the flesh. He knows what holiness is all about. And he models his holiness by um, demonstrating an active love, an active caring, an active participation in the lives of people from all walks and sorts of lives in, in all kinds of situations and places uh, and so um, he was willing to associate with people that no one else would associate with and he was holy um, his, his being around and in contact with people who were living not up yet to their potential didn't take away from his holiness what, what it did was his holiness the way he loved people caused people to stop and reflect on where they were at and it gave them a desire to change it gave them a willingness to change that's holiness See, that's what, that's what we need to be asking God for, that we could love people so well that in the midst of their own brokenness that they don't feel um, condemned by us or judged by us, but they feel so loved by us that they get that, that there's something that they ultimately go, what do I need to do to change? What, what's, what, what, what should I do? 
Um, that, that's, that's the moving out of holiness. Um, it's, a, it's a willingness to, you know, not having life to have to be about you so that... Because see, if your focus is all about you, you're going to sin. Your, your sin's going to get ramped up because you're going to make a lot of selfish decisions, which is all sin. Uh, it's, it's a willingness to go, you know, I want what God wants. And, and God wants the best for me. I've got to trust that. And he wants me to experience life now and forever, and I need to trust that too. And then begin to live the life that he, he calls me to. And so... Um, as, as we live in love, caring for others rather than using them, um, we reveal the righteousness of God and ultimately we expose evil for what it is. That's the, the big deal is, is, is loving people and, and, and not you know, trying to use people for our own benefit. That's, that's a picture of holiness in action. And it's what Jesus did in the process. And then... Um, in verses 18 through 20, uh, this life is lived, um, and we talked about this last week, and it's in the Holy Spirit. It's a life that, that um, whereas we yield to the Spirit and we're being filled by the Spirit continually, we develop this fruit that, that uh, makes a difference. And it, it causes us to be thankful in our hearts um, to the Lord for who He is and for what He's doing and what He's promised to do. And it's better than anything else that's available to us. Um, be, because we often get stuck... Um, short of what we're heading towards and we get sort of focused on us, we, we begin to move towards things to, to, um, that, that we want to try and make us feel better temporarily, but they don't last. And, and uh, they, they're meaningless, ultimately. But, but if, we, if we can sort of settle in the fact that, that God loves us, wants the best for us, and wants us to experience life uh, in, in a, just, you know, in amazing ways, um, then, then we begin to yield to him and he starts moving into these areas more and more where we can experience this life that he's called us to. Okay. And then that last little chunk about submission. Um, this life is a life of submission. And, and Jesus models submission for us as well. Um, and, and he... See, he wasn't stuck in this whole uh, uh, value and role things. Um, and, and Jesus submits, uh, you know, to the will of the Father in the garden. Jesus submits uh, at the cross. Um, he's a picture of submission. And the underlying idea that Paul's trying to put across here, and this in, in a few other of his letters, is that the, the Christian attitude toward authority and submission is, is dramatically different than the perception that the world has to the same issue. Um, the, the world sees this, this concept as um, the, the one in authority is exalted and the, and the one under that is debased and, and that, um, that a person's value, as I said, is determined by the position that he or she holds. But in the church, in Christ, that's not how it's supposed to be at all. A person's value exists not from the role they hold, but your value exists because everyone is important to God. And, and what, what Paul's teaching does is he, he shifts the focus completely away from power into one of service. Um, and, and see, we're to, we're to love one another. We're to serve one another. Um, and, and there's no... There's, uh, in it, there's not a, a weakness. So where we've gotten stuck culturally now is that um, it's hard for us sometimes to 
think that there's value in whatever role it is that we've been given. But, the, but see, the value isn't in the role. The value is you already have value in Christ. And then God's wired us to, to live in certain ways, and that's where we find life. And when we go against it, we don't experience life. So, so he uses different examples of this concept throughout. And one of the ones he uses is a husband and wife, which is a, you know, a hot-button a hot issue, um, especially in our culture. Um, I'm always... I, I, um, I, you know, when, uh, if you have someone in politics who's a believer, they always try and pop this question out and ask if they believe about submission and what it teaches in the Bible. Have you ever seen that? And the guys are like, yeah. And the moment they say, yeah, they're done. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, oh. well then. But see, the, the concept's wrong. Because in the concept between a husband and wife, the reality is that the husband is called to love his wife so well that, that she can be and, uh, fully wife and fully equal and, and there to submit to one another. The, the idea is not, you know, I'm the husband, you're going to do it my way because that's the way it is and this is what the Bible says. It doesn't say that. It says, I'm, I, I need to love you so well that it's easy for you to fall into and be the role that God's created you to be of absolute equal importance in God's eyes and in everybody else's. See, that's what the church, and it was dramatically different from the culture, because in the pagan culture, that wasn't how it was at all, um, and, and it still isn't in most parts of the world, where unfortunately women are often seen not even close to being equal, are, are treated like property a lot of times, and um, uh, have no voice or say uh, in, in the world, and much of the world is like that, um, and, and it, was, it was Jesus teaching it based in Old Testament principles that brings out this equality between men and women and, and, and yet there's still roles for us. But the, the roles are not demeaning in any way. One is not, and, and, and so it should never be in the, in the heart of a husband to, to you know, say, well, you know, you have to submit to me um, because that's what the Bible says. Uh, the 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 role should be one that's just easy to fall into because a husband is doing his part so well that he's loving so well that it's a non-issue. Um, and and it never means that there's no voice or that there, it's, that's just not how it's supposed to work. So, but that's all messed up. And our culture, it's so it's so messed up right now because everybody is in the whole thing that we we get so much value in in roles. That's really what I want you to see is is what our culture does is put value in your role, and it and and, and that's not where your value comes from. Um, it's just not. So, you know, in the church, sometimes we tend to look at people in in, in that are the the leaders of the church as as uh, having more value than than someone else and it's just not how it works right i mean you know that's not appropriate but because that's what the culture has done then people are striving all the time thinking well if i really got value then i've got to i got to keep pushing up and we get it messed up it's it's your value is in you it's in christ it's who you are you have tremendous value you can't get more value than you already got your value was such that Jesus went to the cross for you. I mean, the, you get your, your value is priceless. Your, your role then is just moving into what God's called you to do and be. And in that is where life is found. And, and it doesn't make any difference. Paul's over and over about that. Male or female, you know, Jew or Greek, slave or free. Doesn't make, there's no difference. It just moves away from being a, a thing about power into one of service. So that's what he's calling us to. So whenever that comes up, it should just, uh, 
it should be a non-issue. And always remember, you know, in Ephesians 5.21, we're, we're first called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ so that we start figuring out what that looks like. It's not a, it's not a power play or a power trip or anything else. And that's all I have to say about that. That was a Forrest Gump statement there at the end. <laughs> if you're watching my video or on television, thank you very much. We appreciate you doing that. And uh, we'll uh, hope you connect with us again soon. Come and visit sometime and uh, be a part. Thanks for watching.